All right, I'm here with Christian Lucero. Do you say Lucero or Lucero? I say Lucero. Oh, so I've been, yeah. I, I, I feel like it's a pet peeve of mine when people are like, you can say it anyway, and it's like, no, it's your name. So no, I'll yeah, say I, I say Lucero, yeah. Well, it's your name, so I'll start saying <laughs> Lucero. But for those wondering who Christian Lucero is, you probably recognize him from the CrossFit Games, 2016. Yes. 18th place. Yes, longer hair back then, so. Longer uh, some, hair. Some people don't recognize me because of the hair. You know, I'm a fan of long hair, obviously, but you pull it yeah. off pretty well. Good looking Thank dude. You. I need to keep long hair because I'm not as good looking. So I need to mask. <laughs> I need to cover my face. Um, it draws and, and attention you, away. It does from my nose. So you, you also might know Christian. You've got a great social media, but you also have your podcast, Pardon Me, with Christian Lucero. And yes. you have your tape company, Grip Tight Tape. Yes. Yeah. A couple of things I just started in the past, uh, past year, uh, less than a year, but like since the new year, um, those are kind of some of the things that I had been wanting to um, start and had the opportunity to start. So especially with the CrossFit game season being kind of up and down in flux, not a lot of, uh, uh, there's a lot of like unknowns with the season as it progressed this year, especially is the most kind of uh, which kind of there's some qualifications that aren't going to be in place next year. And so it's kind of more of a transition year as they implement all the sanctionals and get that going. So I was like, Hey, it's a, as good a time of, as any to, um, you know, start those things. And I also wanted to give, give support to my wife who's getting ready for, you know, in process of qualifying for 2020 Olympics for Tokyo. She's a weightlifter. So, um, you know, have, and a lot of those competitions, uh, the world Pan Am championships, Pan Am games all coincide with a lot of the CrossFit competitions. So I wanted to be able to, you know, help her with her journey as much as I could. And if, you know, that meant me taking a year away from the games, you know, that's not a big deal. There's the games every year. Um, but the Olympics is only every four years. And I, ideally this is going to be her last Olympic quad. So I was like kind of wanting to put that, that goal in front of any of my own CrossFit goals this year. But yeah. Well, just briefly before I get into that, I asked mm -hmm. my wife Roz before I said, Hey, I'm going to talk to Christian, anything you want to say. And she said, I love his tape. So, Oh, sweet. So awesome. He, I think he gave her some at Wadapalooza and yeah, I saw her. She swears by it and she's very particular with her tape. Just so you know. So yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. That's so that's good to hear. I'm glad to hear that, man. That's encouraging. But you bring up Jess, you know, I guess the question is, what's it like having two high-level athletes living together? It sounds like, you know, you're saying, I need to take a back seat to focus mm -hmm. on my wife or, you know, and I'm sure there are times she does the same. Is it stressful, both of you competing at such a high level? Yeah. I mean, there are big stresses with that. I mean, any any family or any individual that that has a family that has one athlete competing at a high level, you know, at that, at that level will tell you how stressful it is, let alone two. And it's almost like you need to, for us, we found the best way, you know, it's come with some trial and error um, as far as knowing what the other person needs when we're competing or prepping for a competition or getting close to that competition time. Um, obviously moods change and, you know, tempers are a lot shorter than they normally would be when you guys, when, each one of you is getting ready for a competition. You have a little bit less um, 
leeway for anything else other than that particular goal at hand. So it's just about understanding and communicating. I feel like we've had to had to understand how the other person communicates best and understand what they need in that time and really build up our teams and our the systems around us, you know, our uh, teams around us, coaches, training partners, um, our support systems, because if we both are competing and we have a competition at the same time, you know, we can't really lean on the other person for uh, that support as much as we would be able to if they didn't have a competition around that time. So yeah, it's, it's tough and it's, it's taken some getting used to. And, um, it's, it's definitely, I think we've got it to a point where we can, um, where we can, you know, figure out what the best thing to do. Sorry. Hold on. Ray. Hey, come here. Ray. Is that one of the pugs? He's taking his head. He's taking his headphones out. So I'm doing play by play, but it, Sorry, my dog wanted to uh, jump in on the conversation. That's one of your, that's the pug, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's her. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I think it's just taking some getting used to and some figuring out what's the best way to to handle that and to go about that and how do we do that. And I, I think it's the, the biggest thing is building up those support systems around us and understanding how the other person, what, how the other person needs them to be or us that person to be there for them when they are competing and understanding if we are competing at the same time, we're not going to be able to, to be there a hundred percent for them in the ways that they might need and not taking that personal and not taking that as like a, an attack on the relationship or on your goals or what you have going on. Here, here's something I've often wondered about competitors. When, you, when you're getting ready to compete or she is, do you guys share a bed the night before competition? Yeah, like in the uh, in the biblical sense, or are no, we no, talking no, just like, like in a? No, no. <laughs> personally, that's one thing. I mean, feel free to chime in on that. But I mean, yeah, I, I'll tell you, like Roz and I share uh-huh. bed, and there are nights where yeah. I'm like, "Damn, what were you doing in your sleep last night? You kept me up, right?" Yeah. So, um, yeah. So we, yeah, we normally, uh, do, yeah, we normally share. Like if I'm in in the the same plan, it happens where we're not even in the same state. We're both competing at the exact same time. So we really don't have that issue. Um, but other times when we are together, yeah, we'll, we'll share a bed. Cause we, we, I don't think we've ever, I mean, unless, unless we've been in, in, in a fight and I've messed up or I've, I've gotten kicked out of the bed. I don't think we've ever had uh, times when we've been at the house where we don't sleep together in the same bed. And I know a lot of people have the, the like superstitions like, oh, don't have sex the night before you compete. Or I, fi- I feel like that's come from like fight culture. It's like, don't, you're not supposed to have sex a full month out while you're in fight camp, no sex. And then the night before, no sex. But I feel like they've debunked that since and said that whatever you're used to doing. So if you usually have sex, uh, continue to do that. Don't shy away from that the night before. Or if you don't and you, you don't usually have sex, don't all of a sudden do something different the night before. Um, so it's all about like keeping consistency, I think. So if you usually have sex, go for it. If you don't, then don't. So I think we're kind of um, in the boat of like, kind of whatever happens, happens. We don't really keep keep to a schedule, you know? <laughs> yeah, and I meant more so just, you know, sleep is so valuable when you're, you know, getting ready for the Olympics, you need a big yeah. sleep. And if you're tossing and turning, I'd be more worried about how I'm sleeping to impact my wife. Yeah. Vice versa if it's your time. But sounds like I think 
I've said this to a lot of the games athletes I've spoken to that you guys sleep abnormally well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I do, I know I sleep well, my wife, not so much. She's more of a light sleeper. So it is in the realm of possibility that I would be tossing and turning and waking her up. But we usually have, we, uh, we try to get a king size bed wherever we go. So we have enough room for me to toss and turn and for her to be on the other side of the bed and not be bothered by it. But I feel like the, a lot of people think about the night before competition. And I feel like those, the, that week leading up or the, the couple nights before is really where you get your, your really good sleep. So if you don't sleep really well the, the, the day or the night before the competition, as long as you slept well the week leading up or the few days before that, you can kind of overcome a bad night of sleep the, the day before or the night before. Let's dive into one specific event. Um, yes. In 2016, you know, speaking of sleep, you yes. were in the event where you know, Dave Castro decides the night before, hey, by the way, you guys are going to need to pack a bag and be ready to go the next morning. Yeah. Not just not knowing what's going on, but I mean, most of you probably, I know I set my alarm for like two in the morning. We had to get up. We had to show for you guys around. How does that impact your day? Just that, you know, four hours of sleep, the food, and then, of course, the unknown of the workouts ahead of you. Yeah. Uh, the, that was, that was crazy. Like you said, we had to be up at, I think we had to be in the lobby at, what was it? Three thirty or four, something like that. And then bags packed, ready to go. That can, you know, especially when you're kicking off a, at that, I think we did, what was that? Tuesday. Uh, we had an event Wednesday, no Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, a five day event. Um, with a, a workout every day, we didn't have a, a rest a, a, a rest day on that in that games. I think that can, especially that that being your first day kicking off a five day event, that can really throw things off for you. So, I think you were asking about what was going through my head or how do you prep for that. Um, I think, I, yeah, it was, it was. I think definitely more so the the stress or anticipation of the night before knowing you have to get up that early, not knowing really what you're going to be doing uh, can affect some people and can affect your sleep that night. You know, you're tossing and turning, you know, thinking you're going to miss your alarm every, every hour. So you're really not, you might be able to sleep for six hours if you go to bed at, you know, 930. But how much of those six hours is actually going to be sleep? Because every hour or 45 minutes, you're getting up kind of in a panic, checking your clock, looking at like, oh shit, did I miss it? Uh, no, okay, I'm fine. Going back to sleep. And that's really not really that good of sleep. So I think, like I was saying, the sleeping up and you never know what's going to happen at the games or in some of these competitions. So sleeping well up until the night before, you can kind of buy yourself a good amount of sleep and a good amount of kind of banked up of, of rest. That way, if you don't get a good night of sleep before that, you don't have to stress. You know, you're like, okay, I'm going to go through this. I know that I've been sleeping well. Um, my body can handle it and you can kind of tell yourself, you know, you, you're ready for this. You've slept, you're, you've prepped for this. So even if you don't get a good night of sleep that night before, you know, you can handle this and then you're going to be recovered. You're going to be able to, to nap, to sleep after and uh, to recover and find times. So uh, I think it's all about the mindset, you know, not freaking yourself out 
about if you don't get too little sleep and kind of overthinking it, right? I think a lot of people overthink like, oh, if I don't get X amount of hours, I'm screwed. Or if I don't eat X amount of things, I'm screwed. And yeah, to a certain extent, you have to make sure you're putting the right things in your body, you're getting enough sleep, you're paying attention to that without overthinking it and and then coming off the the other side of like stress and 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 kind of realizing like hey maybe stressing out about this stuff is going to affect me more as well so i mean there's nothing you can do about it to control that so you kind of just got to say fuck it like i'm going to roll with the punches and trust my preparation are are you doing anything regularly for mindset um no i am not i don't i kind of was raised um by my parents, my dad kind of training me in that mindset stuff. So there's a lot of it that I still use that I kind of don't realize is for that, that um, I was taught at a young age that, you know, my wife who does uh, use some uh, sports psychologists and Headspace and some other meditation apps and um, some of that other stuff, she's like learning these techniques and some of them I have talk to her about but some of them she's learning and i'm like oh hey i do that not knowing like what that was and i think um just because you know i had been taught that from a younger age growing up that i i kind of subconsciously do um one of the ones i do like to do is like some breathing work whether it's um i mean it's not really you know quote unquote mental training i it is but not like to the to the sense of like a meditation or like a headspace or like uh something like that is I like to do like breathing work. Um, so Brian McKenzie and my friend, Brian Diaz, uh, they recently came out with an app called the state app. And, uh, I've been playing around with that and, uh, I had kind of known that they were going to come out with that. So they had kind of given me a, a firsthand look at that app. And so I'd been using that and playing with that. And it's, it's an app, it's a breathing app to, kind of utilize the the techniques that uh, they had learned through a lot of the Wim Hof stuff and a lot of those breathing, a lot of that science behind the breathing and, you know, being able to use that for focus, being able to use that for um, decom like uh, relaxation and sleep and alertness, all that stuff. So I like to, to utilize and play with some of the breathing work. And I especially like to use, use the breathing work when I uh, do like ice baths. So I like to do on my off days or uh, different times during the week, do the full, you know, ice submersion where you're up to your, your neck in ice water uh, working on. And that, really the only way I, I can get through that and, and stay in that for, you know, extended periods of time is using that breathing work. So it's kind of taught me the importance of, that mental state breathing and utilizing the breath and your mind to get through something like that. I think that can be very useful for CrossFitters when you know you're in a workout that feels like, like you, when you're in an ice bath, you know, your whole body's freaking out. You can't breathe. Everything's hurting. Everything's telling you to stop. Um, and then being able to overcome that. Brian Diaz is a name from the past. I think I met him in like 2008. He's living in Texas, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. He's back in Texas now. Yeah. Yeah. Part of the endurance crew. So that's cool mm -hmm. to hear. You know, a lot of people, I'm sure you hear it. It's like, Oh, I want to make the games and they don't realize, you know, I, I always make the analogy. Like I train jujitsu. I'm a purple belt. Yeah. I don't think I should fight Conor McGregor. 
anytime <laughs> yeah. soon, right? But yeah. some guy shows up to CrossFit for two weeks, all of a sudden they want to be at the games competing with the guys. What are some of the things they don't realize you're doing that is allowing you to be at that level that if they knew that, they might decide, okay, this isn't for me? Yeah. Well, I think that a lot of, I mean, I would never discourage someone from, from like going after that goal or having that as a goal or chasing that. I would just, if they were serious about it and wanted my advice or wanted some help with it or wanted to see, like you said, what, what are some things that I'm doing? It would really be a, a look at like how basically we've taken, you know, any, I was, I'm sure any games athlete, I'm sure you can speak to this, having talked to them and, uh, the ones that I know and that I have relationships with, the one thing they don't understand or a lot of people don't understand is how we've taken everything in our life and pretty much simplified it down to does this either help towards that goal of being at the games, competing at the highest level, fighting for placements and for podium spots at the games, or does this hurt that? So if, it's, if it helps that and is for that goal, we keep it. If it hurts that, or isn't for that goal, dump it. It's out of your life. So to like simplify and like really simplify it down to the, the core of it, it's, is this everything we do in our day, in every day, every day, everything we do is pretty much broken down into only helping us for that one goal. And if it's not helping us for that one goal, I'm not doing it. And I think a lot of athletes, uh, especially the ones I know and that I have a relationship with can um, attest to that, that that's the way they live their life. And that includes relationships, that includes, you know, food, that includes social activities, that includes work, school, like any type of other ex extracurricular work that they're doing. Um, and that's pretty, to put it as simple as possible, that's, that's if you're, they're, everything they're doing is for that singular goal. And if it's not for that singular goal, it's, it's going to be taking away from that goal. So it's, it's out. Yeah. And, and you mentioned earlier, you, you'd be willing to give up a year. So just train for the Olympics, you know, it's 2019. Mm -hmm. How many years can someone stay at the level you're currently at? I mean, whether you're at the games or not, you're still one of the fittest people in the world. What's, what's realistic. I mean, are we going to see, it seems to me like yep. 32, 33 is kind of that age where, the athletes are struggling to maintain that fitness. What, what right. What's your opinion on that? Yeah, I think that I think that the age isn't so much a a factor as much as people let on or people say. I think it's more so the lifestyle and the monotonous grind of everything being, like I said, for this particular goal. Everything you know being meticulously done for that goal and just the mental wear that that can have on a person and the mental, um, that can be tough. You know, you're not going out and taking, you know, vacations. You're not going, maybe going out to dinner all the time with friends and family. You're not doing a lot of things that a lot of people enjoy and feel like they're missing out on. So I feel like it's that, that feeling of like missing out on life or that feeling of that some people can have of like, not being able to do some of the things that their friends, their family are doing, having to say no to a family trip, having to say no to maybe going to, you know, a sibling's graduation or a family member's wedding because, you know, you have this, this goal that's 
kind of you're obsessed with that you're that the only, the only thing that your life is is for right now is for this and it has to be that way if you want to be the best that you can be at it and be among the best in the world at it because there are people that are going to do that and so if you want to be there you know that's something you're going to have to do as well and so i think it's that mental and emotional toll that it can take if you're not careful with that you know and feeling that you know feeling pressure from family feeling pressure from a spouse or significant other feeling pressure from society um, of, you know, if you're a girl or, uh, you know, and you're, you've been doing this, the society telling you, oh, you need to be married with kids at a certain age. You need to have a house and a job and 401k at this time. You need to be looking at retirement at this time. And, you know, there's all these pressures and stressors that can weigh on you when you're chasing this that aggressively. And with that much that I think that's the biggest part is, is being able to mentally stay in it because your body I think is capable of a lot, lot more, especially as we, we we're getting more advanced in our society. There's more technology, there's more aid for recovery. There's more aid for performance uh, now than ever. I think we can, our bodies can push well beyond our thirties. Um, I think it's more so the, the mindset and the, the social pressures and all that like weighing on you time year after year, time, you know, time after time, it can, be the most detrimental to your career. And so I think that's more important than just kind of like an age uh, boundary or an age marker. That's like, oh, you've hit, you know, 32, 33, you know, you're no longer able to do this. Um, I think that's the biggest thing, especially um, with, you know, being with my wife, you know, she's been uh, on the Olympic track and going after the Olympics for close to 15 years now. So, you know, obviously she's, she's dealt with a lot of, a lot of that in her life, you know, having her friends be, you know, married, have kids, you know, years and years and years before she was married. Um, and you know, all of them, pretty much all of them have kids and are looking at their second kids. And, you know, she's still grinding still in this, in this hamster wheel, so to speak, where, you know, she's chasing this goal because, you know, that's what, what she's meant to do and what she believes that she you know, wants to do and is, is meant to do and is, is put here to do. And, and, um, I think that's the biggest thing that, that has been an issue, like kind of weighing on her is, is feeling like, okay, when am I going to be out of this? When am I going to be able to move on to, to kids and some of the other things in life? And even though, you know, she's still hitting PRs, she's still getting better. Her technique's still getting better. Her strength is still getting better. I mean, realistically, looking at the numbers, it's not like you would say, oh, you know, you're declining, you should stop. It's like, no, you're actually continuing to get better. It's regardless of where you're at as far as age, it's, it's more so all those other pressures that are telling people to stop or kind of weighing on them. Do you have any specific examples of things either you or your wife have said no to in order to further your career? Yeah, I've said no to... Um, off the top of my head, I've said no to going to my sister's who's, she plays lacrosse at Stanford. So she, you know, has had games that have been close to me and I've been in the middle of like a training period for regionals of the games. And I've had to say, you know, Hey, I can't go out and spend, you know, three, uh, you know, an hour in traffic to get to, you know, LA. Um, I can't an hour of traffic back, um, you know, two and a half, three hours at the game, not not having, you know, going out to eat any of that. So I've been, I've had to say no to like going to watch her play, uh, play sports. Um, in college, I've had to say no to going to weddings. 
I've had to say, uh, like family weddings. I've had to say no to going to family vacations where they've all, like all my family's gone on a trip to, whether it's a cruise through Alaska or a trip to Peru. Um, I've had to say no to, to that. I've had to say no to, um, I think those are probably some of the bigger ones. Um, you know, friends' weddings are easy. Those are easy to say no to. But, <laughs> um, And then my wife, on the other hand, same thing. She's had to say no to, you know, um, visiting her family back in Florida. She's had to say no to the, the same, you know, family vacations and friends' weddings. And, um, you know, those are kind of the harder ones. And obviously, it's easy to say no to, like, if there's baby showers or like little parties and things that are happening, those are kind of easier things and you kind of get used to saying no to those. But, um, you know, anything with the family is a lot harder. Christmas, you know, going to visit for, for Christmas or Thanksgiving um, and getting like that pressure from, from family that, you know, they want to see you and they miss you and kind of feeling that, you know, you feel bad about it already saying no. And then you have that on top of it. It's kind of, it's pretty hard, but uh Yeah. Yeah, it's not, um, you know, being a games level or an Olympian is not for everybody, right? You have to be willing to sacrifice. How, with the changes to the games, how has it impacted the people at your level, like the games athletes? Is it impactful or is it just training as usual? Yeah, I think um, it's it's super impactful. I think there's a a few uh, that don't have any change. They'll continue to but I think at any level whether you're you know the, the guy that's winning the games the girl that's winning the games or you're somebody that's you know top 10 top 20 top 30 I think that it's it's going to affect every level of games athlete and every tier and uh, regardless of where you're at and I think for the most part the biggest effect was you kind of had a, a, a set idea of what how your year was going to be right it was always the open into regionals, into the games. And you can count on those three things, um, regardless of if you did some extracurricular competitions like Wadapalooza or Dubai as kind of tune-ups. You always knew that these were the most important pieces of my season, open, regionals, games. Um, and so now with them removing the, the regionals and, and having just the open as the, the national championship qualifier and then all the sanctional events kind of serving as a, a quote-unquote regional style events uh it it kind of opens up your your year so i think it almost is more beneficial for games athletes they can qualify either through the open as a national champion which there's tons of 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 games athletes that are from different countries and and have the possibility of doing that and then there are all of the sanctional events that are you know all over the world you know you have them in china italy dubai I mean, any, every, every corner of the world, there's sanctional events, Ireland popping up, you know, the UK, um, I know there was one in Africa. So, uh, there's all of these sanctional events popping up that can, that are throughout the year, different times. So you can kind of, you can, you have multiple shots to qualify for the games. I think it gives you multiple, multiple opportunities. And if, if you mess up on one in the past, say you had a bad regionals or a bad regional event or bad two events you know, that kind of could kind of screw your whole season of being at the games and competing for a spot there. And now, you know, say you mess up in one of the open workouts and you didn't get your national champion qualification or 
um, something happened through the open, you have all these other opportunities and sanctional events that you can show up at and earn your spot. And you can go to multiple, you can go to as many as you want. So I think it, it does, it kind of opens the door um, for a lot of athletes and for a lot of opportunities to not only earn that spot to the games and compete at the games, but also those are opportunities to get paid by sponsors, you know, to show, have good showings for sponsors and to earn more money for sponsors. And so I think in a, at first a lot of people were mad and, you know, I think it's more so a lot of the Americans were mad because, you know, there's only one national championship spot for America. There's a lot of games athletes in America. And that means that they would have to travel and go to these sanctioned events. And um, I think it's more so out of fear and not knowing and that change. They're like, oh, I have to win an event. I have to, you know, I've never won anything in my life. I've always come here, here, and here. How am I going to do this? I'm screwed. Instead of kind of looking at the opportunity of like, there's all of these um, national champions that are going to be going, you know, you have a sp uh, possibilities there. And then also there's a ton of sanctional events that, that can be money earners, not only for prizes, not only for like purses, but also for sponsorships and, and those opportunities. And you can almost create your own kind of circuit and choose which what events you want to go to and, and be a part of and kind of create your own season based on your schedule and what you have going on in your life. You don't have to base your life around this um, March or February, March, uh, June regional August games schedule, you know, you have a little bit more freedom, um, to create your own season essentially. So what do you anticipate doing for the 2020 season? Do you already have your ideas for the sanctional events you'll compete at? Uh, no, I mean, I haven't really decided on any, I, the last time I competed in Dubai, I love Dubai. So I'll, I'll definitely be at that one again. And then, I think it'll, it'll kind of be just dependent on the ones that are popping up where it looks like the best, you know, you have to be smart about it. You have to be like, look at now because the national champions are, are qualifying, you know, if, if you're in a, a sanctional event that has multiple national champions in it that have already qualified, you don't necessarily have to win that event. You just have to be the, the best person that hasn't qualified a spot yet. So I think it's, it presents a whole nother level of strategy and a whole nother level of kind of chess maneuvering, which is, is cool and is a, an, an added part to, to the CrossFit games experience and CrossFit games road um, that has previously not been there. So yeah, I, I haven't, I know I, I'll definitely do Dubai again. I'll definitely, I'll definitely do. Um, I think my wife's wanted to visit Italy for a long time. She's Italian, so I'll probably be at the Italian showdown, I would imagine. You say um, she's Italian. I assume you're Italian. No, I'm uh, more Spanish, and uh, like half my family's real Spanish, like Basque, Spain, um, that European area. And then the other, the other part is uh, more Latin American, like Colombian, Mexican, kind of Native, Native American down in that area. I guess I was just, I figured a vowel at the end of the name, my bad. Yeah, no, that's why, that's why people say Lucero. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. I think it's it Italian. Is. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. All right, so, well, I'm gonna... she's, uh, she's Sicilian and Italian. Well, you got to keep her happy after Tokyo, Italy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
I'm going to let you get back to training. But one thing I like to ask everybody on the show is, do you have any books that you recommend people check out? Um, Game of Thrones. <laughs> you, did you read the books? No, I just watched this TV show. Uh. <laughs> I don't read... Uh, I don't read a lot of books. I more so listen to like podcasts. And um, if I, if I do read books, it's in, it's in like small spurts. So, um, so your sister's the smart one. Yes. You're, you're the, yes. you mentioned Stanford and then yep. your parents are like, well, Christian yeah. fit. So that's good. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll, I leave the books to her and um, I do the audio books on tape and the TV shows. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the TV. Well, you got to chill out. Is that how you chill out after training? Yeah. Game of Thrones? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't know if you could call watching Game of Thrones chilling out, but more I, so know, like anxiety I, and stress. <laughs> I've never seen it, but I'm hearing you know all my buddies right now talking about the episodes that are going on. So it's not making me want to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you want to give a shout out to any of your sponsors before we uh, hop off this? Yeah, I um, actually going back, I just remembered uh, you asked about the uh, mental prep and I, I just started working with a, a sponsor called BrainCo that they're out of Harvard, uh, another, another uh, group of smart people that I know. Um, and they uh, developed a wearable head unit that picks up on your alpha waves and theta waves um, so it can give you instant feedback on pretty much where your brain activity is. So. Um, if you're going through, you know, a headspace app or you're going through meditative practices or you're going through, um, you know, just breathing work or anything, you can put this wearable head unit on and it'll give you a reading of where your, where your waves are at. So if you're in a focused mental state or if you're in a more relaxed, um, decompressed mental state. So I've been using that to help almost like show me where, you know, cause a, a lot of times we do the breathing, we do the meditative stuff and you feel something, you feel like, okay, I feel like I'm more calm or I feel like I'm more focused, but where am I actually? And so this is a, a, a cool thing that they've developed with their robotics or with their, um, their wearable that they've used in uh, the education field and with a lot of schools um, to be able to see engagement in classrooms. And they're kind of focusing it right now for uh, fitness and they're bringing out a, a fitness uh, app as well as a program. So you can kind of utilize that and utilize some of their programs on there to um, to track where you're at, to see where you, whether you're focused, you're relaxed, and you can. They have some um, games and and activities on there that will only let you progress through them and and complete them if you're in a certain state. So you can really feel where your focus is. You can see where it's at, and you can see like for me, if I'm just looking at something and trying to focus. Uh, my, my levels lower. If I'm like doing multiple things and multitasking, that's when my focus like increases. Um, so you can kind of see w visually what kind of learner you are and go through those. So I've been using that and they have a, a whole other department that's a robotics department that um, is developing wearable, um, wearable prosthet prosthetics um, for amputees that can be controlled with the same similar technology of that muscle mind connection. And so they can actually have a fully functioning robotic hand. And so they're doing some pretty cool stuff. And that, that company is called brain co. Um, but yeah, um, that's another mental, mental cool. thing. I've been we'll definitely doing. check them out and everybody yeah. can find you at yep. Christian V loose. I should say. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh, you see. 
And where and where's your wife on Instagram? Hers is Jessica Lucero nine. Um, that's on Instagram and Twitter. Um, and so yeah, so yeah, we're uh, plugging away, just doing our thing, chasing goals. You know, hunting that greatness, as they say. That's it, hunting that greatness. Well, I hope to see you back at the 2020 games. That you know, you and I talked. I met you when you were doing the ring. You were doing ring handstand push-ups. Yep. One of the hardest movements to judge, and I hope to judge you again in 2020 on this on the same movement. So yeah, good luck to that'd you. Be and, awesome. And especially Jess getting ready for Tokyo. So hope to see that'd be quite a fit couple, right? An Olympian and a games athlete. So best of luck to both of you. Thank you for being on. Thank you for having me on, man. I appreciate it. Thanks again for listening to Best Hour of Their Day. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, one more time, please leave us a review on Apple Podcast and send us any feedback you have to at Best Hour of Their Day on Instagram and best hour of their day at gmail.com if you want to shoot us an email. We appreciate you. Thanks again. Have a great rest of your day.